Hello there. It's just me, your Academy Age storyteller, Will, here to introduce another brand new, exciting episode of our Masks Actual Play podcast, Academy H. If you don't know us, Academy H is a production of Live from the Apocalypse, which, in addition to being the host of this podcast, is actually a whole lot of people making a whole lot of stuff, and all of it benefits a charity or nonprofit or aid organization. Mostly, you can catch all of that content over at twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse which is where we do the majority of our fundraising. In fact, if you were listening to this day of, we are deep in our holiday charity fundraising drive, the 12-ish Games of Hazmas, which is basically when we have a whole bunch of games on the channel throughout the month of December to help us raise money for the charity that we are benefiting, which remains Rainbow Railroad. If you want to help out, you can find a link to donate in the show notes, or you can catch one of the Hazmas streams. It's been a blast so far, and there are still plenty of games left. But on the topic of today's episode, I would be a fool if I didn't remind everyone that we were joined for this fantastic story arc by the equally fantastic Sidney Rubino, who continues to kill it as Fractal in each and every one of these episodes. Sydney is not only amazing, but also very busy. And if you want to know where else you can find her, you can follow her on social media at Sydney Rubino pretty much everywhere. And specifically, feel free to let her know how much you love Fractal, which I personally do on a weekly basis. And the very last thing I have to mention real quickly, coming in right at the wire, the Audioverse Awards announced their finalists today, and I am immensely proud and kind of dumbfounded to announce that Academy H is a finalist. So, one more time, if you want to help us out, you can go to audioverseawards.net to vote for us in the finals. Honestly, getting to play this game and make the show is enough of a reward itself, but to actually win it would be more than I ever could have hoped for when we started making this. But, with all of that being said... There's an amazing episode waiting for you, so please enjoy Lock and Key, Part 3. There's a room. The room is softly lit. Not from any discernible source. There isn't necessarily sunlight streaming in through any windows. There aren't necessarily lights in the ceiling overhead, but it is decorated in a very childlike way. There are a lot of mementos, a lot of drawings, a lot of pictures, and perhaps most notably, on the bedside table next to the bed, there's a small lantern. And inside of that lantern, a blue flame burns. But as we pull back from that blue flame, there's a hand resting on top of the lantern. And this hand is purple-skinned, The nails are very finely manicured, but sharp, coming to points. And following that hand up to the arm and to the body that it is attached to, there's a being standing there in a very soft-looking gray sweater, kind of a knit pattern on it. It's wearing slacks and loafers, but perhaps most notably, there are set of horns growing out of his head. His ears are sharply pointed. His mouth is full of teeth far sharper than a normal person's. On the other hand, the one not resting on the lantern, he is holding a pipe. 
his fingers drum against the top of the lantern distractedly as his gaze falls on Fractal, standing just a little ways off from him. So, what are we going to do about this young lady? I don't think there's anything we need to do. I'm still safe. And with these new people, they seem really nice. I think I could stay with them for a bit. Crossroads shakes his head softly, says, you don't really think that's such a good idea, do you? You remember what happened last time you were around other people. That was a long time ago. I'm older now. You've taught me really well. All the same, little one. I'd feel a lot safer if I knew where you were. All that chaos. All that violence. Hate to think of you out there in it. What might happen to you? I don't know what I'd do if I lost you. Well, right now it's not safe for me in here. Everyone's out. You saw it. So I have to go back out there anyway. There's got to be a place safer for me, right? Not while the labyrinth is... in disrepair. He pauses for a second, and he looks thoughtful. These others that you're with... Who are they? I don't really know. They're my age. I think. From inside the labyrinth? I don't think so. They weren't wearing the uniform. Crossroads thinks about that for a second, and he looks like he is about to say something. But then his head kind of snaps to the side. Like he's hearing something that you aren't. And he's quiet for a second, and he says, Of course. Look, little one, I've got to go. I want you. Promise me. You'll stay here. I promise. All right. I believe you. I'll be back as soon as I can. And he will turn and walk out the door. The only door to this room kind of disappears after he closes it behind him, leaving you alone in your room. Remind me of the conditions I need to get out of here. Um, you can pretty freely enter and exit. It's your sanctuary. Before I leave, I'm going to grab a few things. <laughs> I'm going to grab my journal, at least the most recent one, because I know that there's many on the shelves. The most recent journal, I'm going to grab a backpack full of clothes. I'm going to shove as many things in this backpack as I can. 
just shove it full of things. I just start grabbing random items. She's never taken anything out of here before, so she doesn't know exactly if this is going to work. And then she grabs the lantern from her bedside table. You grab everything you just said, but when you try to take the lantern, it is fixed to the nightstand. No matter how hard you pull at it, it's not leaving. But you would also know that this is one of the only things in this room that is not yours. That lantern is maybe the only thing that Crossroads has brought to your sanctuary. You tried. <laughs> I tried. Thanks. <laughs> um, Since I can't move it, I look at it and I talk to it. <laughs> what do you say? I'm coming back for you. And then I put the backpack over my shoulder and I walk right out the door. You walk out the door, leaving the room empty. You're gone. But in the silence that reigns over the room now, it gets dark. That light, as if from nowhere, starts to fade. The little blue flame in the lantern answers you. You're long gone. You can't hear it, but it says, Hurry. Sneaking through the administrative level of the labyrinth was Bethel and Danny. Initially, yes. <laughs> but since then, the other two have joined us. Yeah, yeah. so that's where we're going we're gonna to pick up. You were kind of sneaking through the administrative level. You found a little bit of information at one of the computer stations. All of a sudden, Kaz and Alex are beside you, appearing out of thin air. I think I might take, like, an instinctual, like, punch out at whichever one of them is closer to me before I realize who they are, just at the startle, but then it's like, how'd you guys get here? Wait, no, wait, wait, fractal, wait, wait where's, where's fractal? No. Shoot! <sighs> no, oh no. What happened? She wished us with you, she wished all of us with you, but she's not, she's not here. We were cornered, we were trying to get through the through the door, but she used her genie powers or whatever, but she seemed to indicate something not great was going to happen to her if she used them again. Like like she thought they wouldn't work on her? It, it seems like the wishes are limited and something bad happens when they're used up. I guess we can hope that she's okay in that situation, but unfortunately I don't know how we get back to herself from here. I think we just have to keep going forward. Right? Well, we can't... I mean, for right now, at least we have to. I couldn't figure out how to get the security to do anything. We can't really send any messages out right now with the way things are locked down. We... We found like the security plans on like basically where you're supposed to go if something like this happens and we think maybe that's where the people who were here went but and then Lyra kind of gestures at the broken glass and the blood that we've seen I'm not sure how many people we'll find and there's something else down here with us Bethel 
Speaking of something else being here with us, I didn't want to ask this earlier when Fractal was here, but... And Kaz pauses and looks at Bethel in a way I don't know if he ever really has before. I mean, you can see... You don't know if it was you standing up for him when Leo benched him, or if it was you giving your mask to him. But he is looking at you with absolute trust. And it is clear he is going to listen to whatever you say in response to what he's about to ask. And he just looks at Bethel and says, Bethel, what do I do if we run into majority? What do I do? If majority so much as looks at you sideways, like he recognizes who you are. Danny, I want you to take Kaz back. I can do that. Okay. Hopefully we won't run into anybody we know down here. Either of us. I hope we run into somebody I know. You know, I hope that works out for you, Danny. <laughs> so that's actually an interesting question. Wait, did... Do we know if Trasher ended up down here? I will give you some lore here, generally speaking. As far as all of you are aware, there is one prison that holds superpowered beings, and that is the Labyrinth. Neat, neat, neat. Cool. Uh, well, I guess at that, Alex will kind of look somewhat morose, I guess. Alex is going to try to do sort of a 360 with uh, his victory senses to try and see if he's able to get a better layout of the labyrinth around him to see if he can pick out a better path through or at least maybe get a sense of some dangers that might be coming up. Assuming, of course, that literally every inch of this place is not covered in toxic lead. <laughs> Kind of a 360 every scope situation. Yep. Hey. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, roll to assess the situation. None of my conditions affect assess, so. Uh, that is a 10. 10 is great. You can ask uh, two questions. First thing I'll ask is what here can I use to get my bearings? I will tell you. What you can use to get your bearings is that there is no lead in this government building. It is up to code. Congratulations. So all of your all of your senses should work fine, especially your x-ray vision, etc., etc. Okay, cool. So I got sort of a full view of everything around us. And so I guess the next question I will ask is, what here is in the greatest danger? Using your x-ray vision and looking all around you through many walls as far away as you possibly can. I imagine you're kind of combining like your x-ray vision with your, I don't know, macro vision to try to see like farther than you normally can. And I think while you are not in the greatest danger by any means, you see maybe on the other side of the administrative level, a large room with a lot of people inside of it. I think with your x-ray vision, you can't really get a sense of who exactly is in that room, but there's a large concentration of people there, and I think you can tell that they are not 
guards. So to answer the question, what here is in the greatest danger? Nothing here is in the greatest danger, as in where you are currently standing. But depending on who is in that room, they might be. And I'm also going to say that at that moment, Fractal appears next to you. Is there like a, like a pop of displacement or just there? She walks through a door in the room. There's a door to a closet. If there's a door to, I don't know, a lo- uh, another office. I imagine she's just walking through a door. And she walks and she sees you and she goes, Hi! Sorry about that. I just, I had to get some stuff. Oh, but but you're you're okay? Yeah, no, I'm fine. Yeah, sorry about that. I should have said something. It was just, everything happened so fast and I couldn't explain, so I'm, yeah, I'm back. Where, where, where are we? HR, I think. You've walked out of a door that says restroom, and then there's a little paper sign taped up underneath that, and it says, uh, see Enid to get key. Oh, they're one of those places. (laughs) Who's Oh, so, okay. So if we're in the administration, are we trying to get somewhere else? Or are we stuck down here? Well, um, come over here real quick. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed. There's a lot of blood and broken glass. Uh, so there is possibly something in here that is killing people. Uh, you guys all got to miss the really fucked up office building with the the guy with the head bashed in so um there's something in here and we haven't found it yet but it's probably gonna try to kill us and there's uh like a room where everyone is supposed to go when the labyrinth goes into lockdown like this that we're trying to find well i think i might be able to help you out there so uh I don't know how many people are in there right now, but what I can tell you is that they are not alone. Like, like, they have help or they have whatever is or they need murdering people? Yes. Uh, the, 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 I, I do not, I can't currently make out any, any staff there, but I do see a lot of not very friendly looking people. I don't know. My gut is telling me they probably got hostages in there. How big is this room? It's a big room. You got the impression, Victory, that it is an auditorium of some kind. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of what I was figuring. It's the only collection of people that I'm seeing. And given that you mentioned the security auditorium being a place where people are supposed to go, I'm willing to bet that that is what I am looking at. Whichever group brought the other first, I don't know, but uh, it looks like that's where the party's at. Now, I can see it. The other side of a lot of twisty hallways. As the question is, how do we want to get there? I'm trying to remember, Danny, how well are your portals working down here? Within reason, um, if you could tell me roughly how, like, tall and far away that roof is, I might be able to open, like, a hole in the ceiling and take a look in there. Uh, can I give a reasonably good description with the possible aid of my my victory physics vision? I will say yes. 
I just want you to be aware of what will happen if you fail this roll. But absolutely, you can go for it. Um, so if necessary, we'll say that the physics vision description will be a very good uh, justification for spending team. But Jamie, you will have to roll to unleash your powers with Freak if you want to do this. And I, Danny makes a look at Bethel. Go on. Okay. And then Danny will open a small portal and poke his head through to like basically be like uh, just a, a face on the uh, ceiling of the auditorium. <laughs> just, a, just a little. Let's fucking do it. Um, <laughs> Danny just doing a ceiling cat. I love it. Roll with Freak. Roll to unleash your powers. I got a 10. We love to see it. We do absolutely do. (laughs) Ah, fantastic. Okay, cool. So you are able to create a very small portal in the ceiling of the auditorium. Flawlessly. And you can look in and get a sense of what is going on in here. You see a bunch of different things. You see what looks like a large number, maybe 15 to 20 or so. It's kind of hard for you to tell exactly of people who are clearly dressed like office workers sitting in the chairs of this auditorium looking basically terrified. They are not tied up or restrained or anything, but you can clearly tell that this is a hostage situation in essence. This is a very nice professional looking auditorium. There's a lot of reclaimed wood. There is like stadium seating that leads down to the bottom level. And then there is, you know, a big display screen up behind kind of a podium. And the podium and and the display screen both are on a little bit of a raised stage area. If you had to guess, this is probably where a lot of um, staff meetings take place, a lot of briefings where the entire staff of the prison have to be informed about something. But currently, milling around on the floor in front of the stage, you see a collection of inmates. You can tell because of the prison uniforms that they're wearing. You count maybe like 10 or so, and there are enough of them that it's kind of hard for you to pick out anything notable about any of them from your current vantage point. But one person you do recognize standing on the stage is Nina Krull. She is currently speaking to the assembled prisoners who are standing in front of the stage. And as you kind of poke your head in, it's clear that you have done so at a, an opportune time. And she is laying out the details of the plan. As you listen, she says, loudly enough that everybody in the room, even the hostages, can hear, if you cooperate, I guarantee you won't be harmed. You'll be turned over to the heroes when they break through as collateral. We'll be gone by then. Just don't be a hero. It's as simple as that. One of the people in the seats leans over and says something to the person sitting next to them, quiet enough that you can't hear what they say, but the person next to them shakes their head vigorously and violently. And in a flash, there is a shard of glass at the person's throat. He kind of like sits up straighter, cocks his head back, as if trying to get away from the glass, but it kind of follows. It's not cutting him or stabbing him or anything like that. But Nina says, more sharply now, from where she's standing, without even looking at the guy, what did I say? 
don't be a hero. And the guy nods. She says, is that clear? And he nods again. And she says, louder this time, is that clear for everybody? And there are general murmurs of assent, nods from around the room. And at that, she seems to have said what she needs to say. She kind of steps away from the microphone and the podium and kneels down at the edge of the stage talking to one of the people in the prison uniform, kind of this big, uh, brawny, bald guy. The top half of his uniform is, like, off and tied around his waist. He is very built, very jacked, uh, and he's just wearing, like, a tank top under that. And they're talking quietly enough that you cannot hear what they're saying. Danny's going to pull his head back through and look over at Bethel. There's a lot of them. Them being hostages or them being... Correct. She said that they're going to use them as negotiation tools to get out. They're just basically in a holding pattern. Doesn't look like there's any hotheads who might freak out on the villain side. But there was at least one office worker who might have been stirring things up so I can't say that they might not try something and get hurt in the process I think that we need to maybe let her win this one there has gotta be a way that we can okay so if we go in there those hostages are done for I can maybe sneak them back to where we started, but if there's criminals on the other side of that metal shield, I can't say that they'll necessarily be safe either there. Well, could you could you at least bring them back here to a place where they're not cornered? But we we are cornered. Didn't you say that the reason why you guys came through the fast way from the other side is because people were coming down to that wall. Yeah, but I don't think they can get through that wall. I mean, we couldn't get through that wall. Exactly. We're boxed in, whether we're in that room with the hostages or if the hostages are in this room with us. Still, I think there's a difference between being trapped in a room with them and just being stuck on the same floor. Yeah, one's scary and the other's terrifying. If we can't get them out, but we get them out here with us, are the other people going to come looking for them? I would assume so. Definitely. It's their only tactic at this point. If anything, the only thing we can do that's probably better is find a way to get the people they're trying to make a deal with here faster. Maybe there's a balance tipping. I don't... Bethel, you said you found some floor plans. What's beyond the auditorium? It is beyond the auditorium, Will. (laughs) If you check the floor plans, normally the back of the auditorium empties out into kind of a, like, green room, dressing room, like, backstage type of area. But there does appear to be a corridor that is supposed to lead out of the building. That is one of the reasons why the auditorium is like the safe room, or is supposed to be the safe room, in case of emergency. That is supposed to be the emergency exit. So the hostages are just as close to the way out 
as Nina and her allies in this? Trying to think. Uh, Danny, how many how many of the hostages do you think you could get out with one portal? My powers are weird here. I want to be honest. If, say... How many do you think you could confidently get out with one portal? F. F. Okay. Cats. Do you think you could throw up a bone shield that would cover the other half of the hostages? I could definitely try. Yeah. Yeah, I could. Okay. Well, that gives us at least a move that we can make. That will at least maybe protect the hostages while we... I mean, I want to say just punch them all real good, but I mean that, I don't know, the extent of my creative thinking was the whole, like, portal bone shield idea. Beyond that, I got nothing. Otherwise, I'm just gonna start swinging, probably. That's the last thing we need. At least... There's a man in a tank top I think you should punch. (laughs) I... Well, you know, man in tank top versus man in singlet. Natural enemies. (laughs) You're twice as powerful as him. You're twice as much clothing. (laughs) (laughs) Samson and Delilah type of thing. It's you're powerful as long as the the singlet stays on, but if you take it off. Uh, The opposite of Kurt Angle. Kurt Line. (laughs) (laughs) This is a very very high stress situation and we are handling it very Uh, well. I, oh, all right. So I'm, I'm trying to work with what we have here. Do we think, they... Lyra, do you think if you showed up that you would be able to keep Nina talking while we do something? I don't have all the pieces of a plan. I'm just trying to, like, come up with the pieces of a plan and see if maybe we can maybe jigsaw them together into something that works. <laughs> I I appreciate it. I do. I've got pieces. Um... I, I just need some glue, guys. <laughs> I, I could help. I'm... I'm like one of them. And Fractal looks down at their inmate costume. I could pretend that I've brought another hostage and get you guys in there. Maybe it would be enough for a distraction while something else is happening. I don't think they would believe that you got all of us, but they might believe you got Lyra. And then if you can get them backs turned to the hostages, we might be able to get them out of there. That could work. They're not expecting heroes to come from this side of the labyrinth. That's probably a safe bet. Between it confusing her for to see a hero and it being me, I think that might be enough to keep her attention for a little bit. We can try it. I think it's important getting those people out more than anything else. Um, does anyone have a knife? Danny pulls out like eight switchblades. Taz <laughs> is definitely forming a knife, but when when he sees Danny doing that, it's just like, no, you're you're covered. I will pick 
the shiniest switchblade that you own. <laughs> oh, it's got it's. There's a cross on it, and it's got rhinestones. <laughs> and it spells out "hot bitch" in rhinestones. <gasps> <laughs> When you flick it open, is it like that that like weird shimmer that they make blades now where they look like they're oil slicked? Yeah, yeah. Like the rainbow effect built in. Yeah. And it says uh juicy on the blade. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will take that blade, and I figure we have to go in first, don't we? We have to go in first. Danny, when you looked down. Does it look like the entrance is right near the stage, or will we have to walk through from the back, like, through the hostages? Will? Which, how would you describe it? Yes, basically there there are three, like, seating sections, left, middle, and right. There are two different aisles that separate them. So there's, like, two sets of doors that bring you into the auditorium itself. The emergency exit is behind the stage. So if you were to come in... From the front, you would basically be at the top of the stadium seating. All of the hostages would be there. The villains, as far as Danny saw, were down at the bottom in front of the stage. Nina was on the stage itself. That's the layout, generally. Do with that what you will. So, I guess... We will go in first. And then once we get to the front... If Danny can keep an eye with his above head portal for when we've got them distracted. <laughs> his ceiling cat portal. <laughs> well, I figure what I could do is, is, you know, could try to keep an eye on things with my x-ray vision. And then when the time is right or if things go south, I could cause a distraction. I'm good at that. And then when everyone is hopefully distracted, uh, I've drawn aggro, then Danny and Kaz can spring on the hostages. If you come in as fast and as loud as you can. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a problem. Then yeah. I think I think that could work. The question is Fractal once you're in there with me you're in there there is a chance that when Alex comes in and when Kaz and Danny come in they might turn on you So you either need to really sell it, but you're on their side, or you need to be very fast at getting the fuck out of the way. I always wanted to be an actor. All right. Well, if you're going to stab me, aim for the shoulder. I've been stabbed there before. (laughs) I'll keep that in mind. Just openly (laughs) weeping. (laughs) I'd rather just miss. (laughs) Guys, I, I took a prisoner. <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are you? I don't know. <laughs> All right. A plan emerges. We uh, we doing this, gang? We're doing it. So first things first, Bethel, you and Fractal are going on foot to the auditorium. Yes. Okay, great. 
just to get everybody's positioning. Victory, Danny, and Spectral, you are hanging back by where you are currently. Uh, Danny's going to be monitoring the room through the portal in the ceiling. And Alex, you're going to be keeping an eye on things with your x-ray vision. Correct. Fantastic. Okay, great. Fractal and Bethel, you leave the relative safety of your companions standing by the admin desk behind, and you start making your way through the rows of cubicles towards the auditorium. And it is not a terribly long distance, but as you reach the end of the first row of cubicles and turn to start down the hallway that will lead you to the auditorium, you pass by an open door, and right as you do so, you hear sound of movement from within. A couple things are going to happen at the same time, but the first thing that I want to make clear is, Alex, as you are following your teammates' progress, making their way through here, you see in your x-ray vision two figures stand up from whatever they were doing on the floor of your room pretty much directly across from where you are now. You didn't see them before because they were below your regular line of sight, but now you can see them. And as you watch, they both leap for Lyra and Fractal. The two of you get a brief moment of warning as you see these two figures basically pounce on top of you. And your impression is strange, to say the least. Fractal, you are kind of hit in the chest by the shoulder of a being who is dressed just like a regular office worker, a white button-down shirt, black tie, black pants. But the clothes have been kind of shredded. They have seen better days. The reason for this is you get a better look at this thing is because it is vaguely humanoid in frame, except that it has the head of what looks like an alligator or a crocodile. You've never been good at telling the difference. It has scaly skin, but not like normal scaly skin. This thing has whitish skin with like red raised lines crisscrossing it. And you can see from the remains of the shirt what looks like almost a turtle shell bulging out. Except it kind of dawns on you as this thing runs into you and you get a whiff of it. It's cantaloupe. This thing is covered in the skin of a cantaloupe with one bulging out from the remains of its shirt and the head of a crocodile. Lyra, kind of a similar thing happens to you, except instead of getting shoulder barged back into the wall, the thing that's attacking you comes down directly on top of you. And it is like kind of snapping at your face with powerful jaws, vaguely reminiscent of some type of like lupine creature, maybe a wolf, maybe a dog, a little bit hard to say, but similarly kind of just in the tattered remains of a very professional looking, if drab, gray dress. Instead of having like the, the sort of canine hair that you would normally expect, it's just covered in like a fine layer of fuzz, which you realize is peach fuzz. So, yeah. That is the position you now find yourselves in. Uh, Fractal, this thing with its wide open jaws is going to try to snap down on you. And Bethel, similarly, it looks like this creature is going to basically try to rip your throat out. What do you do? Well, I'm not going to let it. That's a smart idea. I think there's been 
They jumped out of like a side office, right? Actually, as you as you get a look beyond them, you can see that they were in the kitchen, like the staff kitchen. Uh, and you can kind of see the scattered remains of like food on the floor, the refrigerator doors hanging open, packages of people's lunches and leftovers have been decimated. You can see the the tragic remains of where their names were written on them. And that more than anything really, you know, strikes you with fear in the face of these creatures who would, you know, disregard office protocol and just eat people's lunches that they'd clearly written their names on. The real villains. There's been broken glass around this area. I think what Lyra's gonna do is kind of like shove back against this creature and she's going to try to get some of that glass up to kind of like saran wrap them similar to how she saran wrapped Walter's gun with the with the car windshield that one time. All right, I like it. I'm going to say you are directly engaging a threat, but obviously you don't have to harm it if you don't want to. So roll with danger. A six and a three, and that's flat. So that's a nine. Pick one. Resist or avoid their blows. Take something from them. Create an opportunity for your allies or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. I think I'm going to resist their blows because what I'm kind of imagining is I'm kind of like wrapping the most dangerous parts of them in like the glass so like I'm like circling their jaw shut and I'm like coating their hands and I'm just like nope. Yeah you kind of put like a safety layer over all of the sharp bits of this creature it kind of ends up it goes to bite your shoulder and it almost just ends up like bonking its head into your shoulder as it's kind of encased in this um this glass that you're actively manipulating and it's scrabbling with the with the now dull claws against the floor as well and for the moment, at least, it's still on top of you, but it doesn't seem to be able to hurt you right now. Fractal, kind of the same thing this monstrous creature is bringing these wide-open jaws to snap at you, at your person. Probably at, like, your midsection. You know, I feel like my only option is to directly engage with the threat. <laughs> I would like to avoid this. You have a very sparkly switchblade. Uh, oh my god, that's right, I have a knife! <laughs> Just flick that bitch out! Alright, well then I'm gonna stab him in the head. Big dumb head. Are you gonna stab him in his melon? In his melon. In his melon. In his gourd. He gets stabbed in the gourd. You are definitely directly engaging a threat, so roll with danger. Alright. Wee! Hmm? I'm bad at math. Um, that's a seven. Seven is a, is a success. You can pick one, resist or avoid their blows, take something from them, create an opportunity for your allies, or impress, surprise, or frighten the opposition. As part of that, you will hurt it. I will say this, you succeed. So you bring the knife down onto its melon and it sinks in up to the hilt like you are stabbing wet fruit. And you can kind of see this thing's movements get more erratic. And it kind of like is starting to slow down, it looks like. But it is going to bite you. So you can decide to resist or avoid that blow if you want to. Great, I'd love to avoid it. Okay, all right. So yeah, I will say that you stab it in the head. Well, do you want to describe what it looks like as you you use this switchblade after you've stabbed it to kind of get out of the way of its jaws closing on you? Absolutely. She flicks out 
the bad bitch blade and as quickly as she can she just with her arm reeling around in a straight stabbing motion just right in front of her just goes right into the side of its skull and as she does that she actually lets go of the blade in a panic because she's never stabbed anything before obviously and then scrambles away on all fours because it's scary it's a Mellencamp monster <laughs> this oh god John Mellencamp is it, poor is this... John Mellencamp that's the first thing I thought of is that I hope this thing's name is John <laughs> The cougar's around here somewhere. No! (laughs) You uh, scrabble away on all fours. Uh, Not in the most dignified way, but enough to get to safety. This thing goes to bite your midsection. You stab a blade into the side of its head. It then runs headfirst into the wall. And the melon that makes up its head with the blade stuck into it kind of just shatters and sprays the wall with wet fruit. I'm just going to say, I have described some unhinged gore on this channel, and I hate that. Mm. It's just fruit. <laughs> we can get away with it on network television. <laughs> Is Lyra now also covered in this, like, fruit gore? Because I hate you. Well, you're going to have to roll for it. You're going to have to roll with danger. That's unsettling on so many levels. Does it taste like fruit? If you taste it, yes. Uh, do you taste it? I imagine <laughs> my mouth was probably open in fear. Gross. I'm into it. Uh, this is now directed by Sam Raimi. Yeah. Some of it gets in your mouth, <laughs> and uh, it does taste like fruit. The ultimate question, can I be eating fruit and also committing cannibalism at the same time? This is easily the most unhinged suggestion I got when I was like, does anybody want to suggest some supervillains? Who was it? I want a name. <laughs> I'll tell you later. I'll tell you when it's... Uh... <laughs> I want a name. There's a lot that hasn't been revealed yet. I'll tell you later. I'll tell you when you're older. (laughs) You know them. I'll tell you that much. Um, Oh, do I? Anyway, uh, would you roll? Oh, seven. Uh, Okay, great. So pick one. Do you want to resist or avoid their blows? No, I think... Yeah, I think I want to frighten the opposition. So what I'm going to do is... Lyra kind of like leverages her feet up under herself and like pushes it off of her with her legs. But when she also does that, she also pushes with the glass that's wrapped around it, like with the force to like slam it back into the wall, like back into the kitchen from where she was to kind of like show it that she's like, I am stronger than you are. Just like get to try to like scare it. Uh, and it is it hits the wall on the opposite side of the room in the kitchen, kind of hits the counter, I imagine. And it it drops into like a crouch at first, you think from pain, but then kind of indicating that it is being more cautious about you now. It still has, I imagine, some of the remnants of that glass that you had placed over it, but it's going to now take the opportunity to kind of rip those bits off of itself. It is regarding you as much more of a threat now, but you can see across its its peach-like skin some bruising forming. It doesn't appear like it was ripe enough to burst when you hit it against the wall, but like you can see some of the telltale bruising <laughs> appearing. It's going to reach forward for the door to the kitchen. I'm just going to keep staring at it, and I'm just going to close the kitchen door <laughs> on it, just like staring it down, just being like, you fucking stay there. You have frightened it enough that it does not appear to be interested in leaving the kitchen to continue fighting you. 
So now there's just the shattered remains of the other creature on the wall. And now this uh, this horrific lupine peach monster lurking in the kitchen with the door closed. Yep. Lyra's going to pick up the knife and hand it back to Fractal. And I'm going to scoop up some of the horrible monster guts. And I'm going to write, <laughs> don't open on the fucking door. Back in the hallway, Alex is just like staring, staring in this direction. <laughs> Danny's just gonna be like, "How's it going?" I, I have no words. That sounds bad. Yeah. Do we need to go? No, no. It's 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 fine. It's been it's been handled. Uh, okay. Yeah. It's fine. Uh, Everything's fine. Okay. I just realized when you guys see the snacks, we're going to be covered in fruit, and you'll have no idea why except for Alex. (laughs) Well, I don't know how much detail Alex can see. He might not realize it's fruit until he gets up close to us. Oh, no. I mean, it's it's orange. It's it's wet cantaloupe, so it doesn't look like blood or anything. I just realized I made somebody's head explode again, and I didn't even use magic this time. (laughs) You're just doing it all natural now, kid. I'm too powerful. (laughs) Someone stop me. Please nerf. Nope. In fact, I'm going to hand you your knife. (laughs) Are you you just continuing on? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I don't know what Nina's timetable is, and there's people who could die. That's extremely fair. Okay. Cover it later in therapy. Mm-hmm. It's all going in the box for Clara later. Leaving that <laughs> horrific sight behind, you continue on, you turn down the hallway, and at the end of it, you can see kind of an open atrium, and in that atrium you can see the double doors, the two sets of double doors that lead into the auditorium. There are chrome letters placed into the wall between them, that reads administrative auditorium. There's probably like a display screen on that wall as well that is now cracked. It's not showing anything except like static and the doors are closed. What would you like to do? Can I assess the situation to see if it looks like there's anybody who might be out of our sight who's watching, who's guarding? Sure. So seven. Four, two, and a one. You can ask one question. I guess... Yeah, I guess what here is the biggest threat in the sense of what here could, like, expose the fact that we're about to fake a hostage situation of our own. As far as you can tell, you don't currently appear to be around any threats. Even as you take a moment and stop and kind of scan your surroundings, listen closely, the biggest threats are in that auditorium. I think as you stop and you listen far off, like a little distance away, probably on the same level, but definitely not nearby, you can hear some animalistic sounds that would seem to imply maybe that there are more of those horrible creatures, but they are not in your vicinity. I think Lyra is going to take a long, deep breath, and I think she's going to kind of like gather up her, her braids where she has them. And she's going to kind of stand there for a second and she's going to say, all right, when we get over to the door, 
you're gonna have to do all the talking, so. You ready? I think so. And Lyra's gonna take Rectal's other hand, the one that doesn't have the knife, and she's gonna lift it up and, like, basically, like, put it at the back of her head so she's, like, got a grip on her. And off we go to go see my sister. All right. Fractal, I imagine you reach past Bethel and open the auditorium door. You step inside and you see pretty much the exact same scene that Danny described. Nina is no longer on the stage. She is now standing with the rest of the inmates on the floor in front of it. The hostages appear to be in exactly the same spots, just sitting in their chairs, not causing any problems, not raising any commotion. A few of the inmates seem to be arguing with each other, specifically Nina and the bald man in the tank top, a very large, muscular one, whom you heard Danny describe. And Nina's back, I think, is to you, but mid-argument, whatever they're talking about, the bald man looks past her shoulder at the two of you and says, Hold up. Who are you? I'm Fractal. She holds the knife up to Bethel's neck. Brief question might be worth clarifying. Did Kaz give Lyra back her mask? No. 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 Cool. Just clarifying. I've got sunglasses. Very, very good. Cool. Sorry. Just I I realized that was potentially an important point of clarification. Carry on, no, carry I thought on. about it. <laughs> that is a very good point of clarification. As you speak, Fractal, Nina turns around. You see her for the first time, and I think immediately you can tell that there is a family resemblance between Nina and Lyra. They both have that same sort of frizzy brown hair. It's much longer in Nina's case. And she's definitely older than Lyra, but obviously she is not wearing any makeup. Her hair has not been, you know, taken care of or styled since she's been here in prison. She's wearing the same inmate uniform that everyone else is. But even so, there is something about the way she holds herself and carries herself. Her body language is very much dangerous. However, when she turns around and she sees you standing there and she sees Lyra standing there and you holding a knife to Lyra's neck, her eyes go wide. She is not able to contain her surprise. She will try to cover that expression as quickly as she can, but it is obvious enough that everybody in the room takes note of it. But she will leave the conversation that she is embroiled in and slowly start walking up the steps. She will put her hands up as she comes and she will speak directly to you, Fractal, and she will say, put the knife away. No, I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. I'm here to make sure that I get out safely and I brought a bargaining chip. I think just as softly as Lyra can when Nina started to walk up, I think she did hiss as quietly as she could to Fractal that we need to go down. We don't need Nina coming up to us because we're trying to get down to where they were. Kind of like encouraging Fractal to go forward. I'm going to go to the right, <laughs> into the seats. Okay. I'm going to try to get to the aisle 
that Nina is not coming up so I can walk down. Okay, great. Yeah, so you are talking as you are backing away, moving through the rows of seats to the other side. Some of the other inmates, specifically the bald man, will move down to the bottom of that row, but will not start walking up towards you. I think he will put one foot up and Nina will immediately raise her hand and she will say sharply, Diesel, stop. Looking directly at you, Fractal, she'll say, we can work this out, right? Things don't have to get messy. I hope not. I'm covered in cantaloupe person. She does not seem surprised by that fact. She just nods in understanding. I'm going to walk actually towards Diesel since we need to go down and they don't seem like they're threatening. They just seem like they're active and ready. That's fair. You move down the aisle and Nina will continue following you. She reaches the same aisle that you are currently in and she starts following you down the steps. And as she does, so she'll continue talking to you and she'll say, we're getting out of here. You can come with us but I need you to let her go. I don't know who you are. I believe that you'd let me come with you, but for the meantime, until we get out, this is all I have. And you seem very interested in this person for some reason. So I think I'm going to hold on to them. And I think at that, there is like a slight tinkling sound in the air as shards of glass and debris, other things. Not just glass, but like bits of concrete and rock and brick all start to sort of swirl in the air around her. And she says, I'm the person running this. Believe me when I say you don't want to piss me off. How close am I to Diesel at this point? (laughs) Probably close enough that he like could reach out and grab you, but I think actually I will say that as she starts drawing all of those objects around her body, kind of swirling there, he's actually going to take a step back. Like he was ready for something, and now his body language is giving, nope, nope, don't want that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Am I close enough to get up on the stage at this point? You could keep moving up on the stage, but you'd you'd be basically backing up again, and you'd be climbing the stairs backwards up onto the stage. Okay. Where are the hostages visually right now? Are we... Are Nina's eyes officially... Are they finally behind her? (laughs) If you keep backing up, they will be. Yeah, the hostages are all in the seats and she will keep walking forward until she is like on the bottom step and you are near the steps of the stage. And she will then say more loudly and more seriously... Do not move another step. Okay, at that point I'll stop. I don't want to hurt anybody. I didn't even want to hurt the cantaloupe guys. They were just kind of there and I needed to get here, you know? I've been locked up for a long time. I just want to go home. One of the other inmates, this very small man who uh, has like very sparse hair. He has these very thick sort of Coke bottle glasses kind of like hunched in on himself. Maybe like five, two, five, three. Just kind of speaks up at that point and says, oh no, it's 
It's quite all right. No need to apologize. <laughs> um, so I uh, will, <laughs> at this point, um, with the blade up to Bethel's neck, Fractal's going to say, do you have anything to say? Person that I found randomly in this place for no reason? Really selling it. <laughs> Thanks. And so I think Lyra, for the most part, has kind of like had her hands like kind of like as if she were like trying to relieve the pressure on her head. But really, she's kind of just been like doing like the gentle like you're doing good squeezes on Fractal's wrist. And I think what she says is she just goes, I'm just here to make sure this whole thing is bloodless. Right. And we wouldn't want there to be any blood. And she looks at your sister. (laughs) Who are you? She takes a deep breath and she says, you can call me Facet. I made all of this happen. How? I will happily tell you if you let my sister go. And when she hears that, she looks at Nina and goes, I'm sorry. And then lets Bethel go. (laughs) (laughs) In seeming realization. (laughs) Nina looks relieved. Bethel, are you doing anything? I think the second she's let go, Lyra kind of rolls away, but more onto the stage so that she continues to keep the attention of everybody forward and not towards where, like, the other hostages are. And the the claws come out the second she's, like, she just, like, rolls up, gets under her feet, and glass claws up. Now that Fractal has let you go, Nina's full attention is on you. And she is, like, not paying any more attention to Fractal whatsoever. But she will start walking towards the stage and she will say, Lyra, please don't do this. I don't, I don't know why you're here, but just, just let this happen. Don't do anything stupid. Anything stupid? Anything stupid like almost getting choked out a couple hours ago by some fuckwad with ice powers? It's too late for that, Nina. Nina starts saying, I didn't know you were here. How would I? And then when you say that, she will pause for a second and close her eyes and take a deep breath and she will say, don't call me that. Is this worth it? Does this feel good? Is this where spite got you? There's people's brains on the wall out there. And you don't want me to do anything stupid? That wasn't me. What did you just fucking say? What did you do? Down here, Nina. You put this all together. It's all on you. She will interrupt you and she will... She kind of like closes her eyes and her hand makes a very sharp motion of frustration. Her hand closes into a fist and she says, I said don't call me that. That's not my name. I'll keep your name out of my mouth. You keep mine out of yours. I don't want to do this, Lyra. It's not too late. 
you can still come with me. You can pick them if you want to, but everyone here has seen your face and heard your name. It's only a matter of time. And once our parents find out, what do you think they're going to do? The same thing they did to me. They're going to throw you out onto the street to fend for yourself. They're going to call you a monster, a witch. I'm not going to waste my three years of spite on proving them right. And vindication is just going to taste so much better. I'm not going with you. And I'm also not going to stand here and let you leave. I think as you say that, the man she called Diesel earlier is going to laugh. His voice is very deep. And as he does so, he's going to spread his arms and kind of like gesture to the room, the assembled inmates. He's going to say, you win what army, little girl? And I think that's the moment where Alex is going to use, he calls a victory (laughs) portal, which is when he just flies in a straight line through all of the intervening walls, preferably directly into Diesel's back. Incredible. As he says that, you hear the distant sound of construction. (laughs) And everybody kind of pauses for a second to listen to it as it grows steadily louder until finally the wall explodes inward. And victory careens into Diesel, knocking him off of his feet across the room and into the wall. Victory will stand up and gesture to the entire room, taking them all in and just say, Stop, evildoers! If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Live from the Apoc, Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse, Blue Sky at LiveFromTheApocalypse.com, or join our Discord community, which will be linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow the show on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined, it really does help us out so much. The donation link to our current charity fundraising campaign can also be found in the description if you'd like to help us support worthy causes. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday, or any of our many other ongoing live-streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash livefromtheapocalypse. For all this information and more, check out livefromtheapocalypse.com. As always, nothing we do would be possible without your support, and we appreciate you so, so much. Until next time. Academy H is edited by Will Malkus with music and sound effects from Epidemic Sound, Dark Fantasy Studios, and Krotos Sound. Character art by at Draws on Twitter and Instagram.
I'm sure it's fine. You keep saying it's fine, Will. It, it is fine. It is fine. Peek behind the curtain because you're going to find out uh, very soon. Uh, uh, was the uh, one who submitted the idea for that particular supervillain. What were the concepts? What were their names? Like, explain. Explain the details. <laughs> I demand you explain. <laughs> I want to know for when I hunt down. You will encounter him in his full capacity very soon, but uh, sent me the front of a Richard Scary book and pitched me Scary Man. Oh, God. A supervillain who combines <laughs> no. fruit and animals into people. <laughs> No. Thanks, I hate it. Yep. <laughs> a crime. Are we going to have to fight a big apple worm? Something like that. The worm? Well, now we are. 